the last of the Mercury 7 astronauts have left this world. John Glenn, pioneering astronaut and political champion of science and space, has died. Now, I wasn't alive to see Glenn make the historic journey on Friendship 7, but when I was young, my father jump-started my interest in space, and that prompted me to read whatever I could. And after he sat me down to watch the right stuff, I admired them, those Mercury 7 astronauts, especially John Glenn. We wouldn't be exploring space if it wasn't for that heroic mission to orbit the Earth. Glenn will be missed today, but his impact on space exploration will be felt for generations. Godspeed, John Glenn. Roger, zero G, and I feel fine. Capsule is turning around. Oh, that view is tremendous. From the studios at WMFE in Orlando, Florida, this is the Space Exploration Podcast that asks the question, are we there yet? Hi, I'm Brendan Byrne. It all started with a spacesuit, a bit of imagination, and a near-death experience. After photographer Tim Dodd impulsively bought an old Russian spacesuit online, he became the everyday astronaut. Now, his photo series brings the magic, humor, and human aspect of spaceflight to the masses, and he's getting to visit some really cool places along the way. Well, joining me on the line is Tim Dodd, better known as the everyday astronaut. Tim, thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, of course. It's a pleasure being here. Big fan. Well, thank you. Well, let's start first with... The spacesuit. Where the heck did you get that spacesuit from? Oh, man. Uh, it was almost exactly three years ago. I was sitting at a coffee shop watching this website called RR Auction have, like, I think I saw it on Gizmodo. They said, your chance to buy a piece of a Apollo spacecraft or something. That got my attention, and I ended up, you know, going through this whole auction site. It had, like, 800 listings. And, you know, most things were, like, crazy expensive, uh, like $30,000, $40,000, all this stuff. But there are 800 things. So I got smart, you know, a few days later and kind of kept, I kept going back to it. Like, I want to get something. I want to get something. And uh, yeah, come to find out, I ended up filtering by things that hadn't been bid on yet. And lo and behold, no one had bid on this Russian high altitude flight suit. So I put the $300 down. And next thing you know, there's a big stinky box at my doorstep. Now, the intention wasn't to wear this suit around and take these these wacky photographs with it, was it? Why, so you're saying this was just an impulse buy, right? It pretty much started as a complete joke, yeah. I, I think I had that mentality of, uh, you know, wanting to hang it up on the wall or do things with it. And if people would say, like, what did you get a space, you know, what are you going to do with the spacesuit? I wanted to just be able to simply say, what can I do with the spacesuit? And that's pretty much how it started. So then how, do, how was the everyday astronaut born from that? If you were just planning on hanging this, this bad boy up, where did the idea come to do this photo series? Well, there's a, a few different paths that kind of took it. Literally the, the first minute of wearing the spacesuit, well, after I almost died. I don't know. I can tell you that story if you want to hear that. Yeah, let's talk about that story. <laughs> <laughs> so I was alone. And, uh, of course, I excitedly throw the stupid thing on. Uh, it has one of those neck rings, you know, that you shove over your head and it's rubber and it's really thick and, and kind of almost chokes you. And then you attach the helmet and lock the helmet down, right? Well, once you do that, the thing's airtight. And what I didn't know the first time I put it on was uh, there's a two-way lock thing and I didn't know how to unlock it. And nor did I realize that there's a plug at the end of the hose that was keeping the air actually like 
there's a hose kind of running off the helmet and there's just a plug on the, on that end of it. And, uh, luckily like the second it sealed up, I kind of go, Oh, I realized instantly, like I can't breathe in this. And I had, you know, all these like visions of, Oh man, what would my obituary look like? And the newspaper headlines, idiot dies in spacesuit alone in living room and all this crap. And, but luckily I, I reached down and followed the hose and unplugged it first thing. And then I could at least breathe and take enough time to be able to unclip the helmet uh, <laughs> and return air to my face, which then allowed me to live another day. Um, so after that, <laughs> uh, I kind of went around right away and, and took a bunch of stupid pictures, invited some friends over, and we like went to a red box and I drove around town in it. Um, uh, yeah, that's kind of how it all started, I guess. I would never have been able to get back in that suit if I had something so claustrophobic <laughs> and near death like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. I think maybe that's uh, I guess that's part of the fun of it is that it it gave me a good scare at first, and honestly, and then it did sit around for a very long time. It sat around for like five months. Um, I would every now and then kind of put it on or like, you know, Halloween or I don't know, not even Halloween because it was November, but like you know, random things, random friends' houses. I'd go over to it at, with you know wearing it and things like that. But I didn't really have a clear vision for it at all. And to be honest, it sort of haunted me. It would just kind of sit there in my house, and I'd be like, what am I going to do with this? And yeah. So, Tim, when was that eureka moment that you you decided to to start this fantastic photo series with this with this suit? Well, uh, I got asked to actually go shoot for a company here in Iowa. Um, they are uh, they actually provide they're a, a manufacturer of parts contracted for SpaceX, actually, or or NASA, something I. I still don't actually know the the real root of it, um, but needless to say, they wanted me to go shoot a launch down at uh, Kennedy Space Center, and it happened to be uh, SpaceX's CRS-3 mission, and of course, I'm like, okay, I'm going to be down there with a real rocket. Now, I've you know, I've got to bring the spacesuit with me just in case I can like do something really cool with it, because it's Kennedy Space Center, and so that's pretty much where it started, is uh, I took it down with me. I took a whole extra... Like uh check-in bag just stuffed full of the spacesuit just so I could walk around Kennedy Space Center trying to take funny pictures. And it worked, huh? Uh yeah, honestly. That's the funny thing was the response from my my friends and family on Facebook, it, it reached everyone. Like my parents thought it was hilarious. My girlfriend at the time, now wife, thought it was hilarious. Um, you know, all these different people that have no interest in space thought these pictures were funny. And they're like, that is so cool. And I was like, okay, people people think this is fun, I guess. And, and I think that's – that's we were talking offline before. That's kind of the whole point of a lot of the things that, that you do and, and what I do here with this podcast is is making space accessible. And, and what's more accessible than an astronaut taking a bath or an astronaut mowing his lawn? I, I think that really speaks to what I, I take as what the series is. What do you – how do you define the everyday astronaut? What is it? Uh, well, my mission statement is to bring space down to Earth for everyday people. Um, the kind of subtext of that is to communicate science through humor and imagination. And so to me, uh, this has just kind of become an, an outreach of sorts to kind of first make people laugh or be curious or, or spark something in them that they can relate with. So there's lots of cats and dogs and like, um, yeah, everyday objects, everyday things that people do. And then there's kind of that juxtaposition of an astronaut. Um, and so for me, I, I kind of like to blend those worlds and hopefully make people, even if it's for the first time or, or first time in a long time, start to think about 
you know, what, what is this or what, what's that behind this image and things like that. So um, kind of get them with the, bring them in for the laughs and keep them for the science, I guess. And where do you get the inspiration for those laughs? They're, they're, they're genuinely funny pictures. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, that's a good question. I don't know. Everywhere. I mean, everything. I don't know. I like, I like funny things, I think, and I just kind of keep going. I don't, I have no idea where, I mean, I don't know. I don't know where the, the inspiration for the funny things comes from. The rest of it all kind of comes from science fact, you know, like when I watch documentaries and things like that, I'll, I'll sit there and be like, oh, I could totally do something that represents that. And then I'll think of something and half the times it works out and half the times I'm probably the only one that's sitting in my sitting in my office laughing. But at some point, yeah, that's kind of how it works, I guess. And there's also there's also something a little heartwarming and heartfelt about some of the photos that you do, and, and it kind of really captures all of the, the spirit that, that especially I had growing up and wanting to be an astronaut. I'm thinking back to the, the one photo that strikes me is it, it's a little boy looking in the mirror, and he's pulling off his helmet, and, and you look through the mirror, and it's actually you, the everyday astronaut, pulling off the helmet. I, I think that really strikes a chord as to, you know, in kindergarten, first grade, when your teacher would ask, what did you want to be, Brendan? I always said an astronaut. Was that the same thing for you? Believe it or not, I never wanted to be an astronaut. I had, you know, the Lego space shuttle sets. I had three of them I found out. I had, you know, bed sheets and posters and all that stuff. Um, but no, I didn't actually want to be an astronaut. I just really, really liked it. I thought it was cool. Um, and I don't think that came – it definitely didn't come back until later on in life, until I was in my late 20s, did I really regrow a, an obsession for this stuff. Now – you spoke a moment ago about kind of being a, a, a space advocate and, and hooking them with with humor and then grabbing them with science. W- what are some of the challenges of becoming that advocate for space exploration, be- becoming that advocate for some of the things that, that are, are depicted in your photographs? Some of the challenges. Um, I think keeping it clear and concise, you know, because there – I mean it's literally rocket science that – um, a lot of us are trying to communicate these days and why it's so challenging, why it's important, um, why it's inspirational. And so to try to condense all that into a single image with a you know really short caption, oftentimes 140 characters for Twitter, um, you know how do you how do you do that? I guess that's the whole challenge, um, and that's the fine line that I try to try to find. Um, and for me, I, I typically just keep it simple. You know, try to say like keep it with one little topic and. And make it so there's almost like an Easter egg of fact. And if people are willing to engage a little bit beyond the slapstick humor, they'll hopefully gain a little bit of knowledge along the way, too. You know, you, you take these photographs, um, you say you're an advocate, but I mean, there's there's a very serious side to the everyday astronaut, a very serious side to Tim Dodd as well. If I think back to the um, the Mars announcement from Elon Musk down in Guadalajara, you were down there and you were one of the people that asked Elon a question about space exploration. Where... Where did this come from that you went from, you know, photographer to person who's working on this this photo series to being a serious advocate and a serious space journalist when, when it comes to events like this? Well, actually, I started working um, working with uh, SpaceFlightNow.com about three years ago. Actually, when I, when I first shot uh, CRS-3, that's who I reached out to to see if I could um, take part in their publication. And since then, they've kind of been a, a contact that I use and that I shoot for and I produce content for occasionally. Um, obviously, I don't get to shoot a lot of launches living here in Iowa. There's not a lot going on as far as rocket space flight stuff. Um, but I do make it out to Kennedy Space Center in Vandenberg a couple times a year typically. 
Um, so that's kind of how I got the start, I guess, on the journalistic end of things. And then I've just been – it's just been it, – it's been such an obsession that I can't help but be online constantly answering people's questions and showing them to links and different things. And I I do talks at my coffee shop in, in town here. Not my coffee shop. My friend Andy's coffee shop. Um, and I, I've been doing public speaking events now and things like that and tr- just going out and trying to get people excited. You know, there's no better way than – than you being excited. And I think I, that just kind of bleeds out from me because it's something that I've been literally obsessed with for the past, you know, four years now where I can't, it just doesn't stop. It it never, I go to sleep thinking about it. I wake up thinking about spaceflight stuff. Um, Yeah. I think that's kind of how, I think it's just that, you know, you got to follow your passions and that's, I think the passions have just kind of been leading me into this career, I guess. Now, something that's that's easy for me to see living living here in Florida was the end of the shuttle program, a lull in that human space flight, uh, and then really kind of space flight dropped out of the mainstream. But now we're starting to see more and more news stories about space exploration reaching more and more audiences. It's becoming more mainstream. It's becoming more pop culture. What kind of role do you think you play in in getting that? The idea of space flight and the idea of human space flight back in the minds of people five years after the shuttle program. Well, I think the thing that's been missing is is the human element. You know, literally since we've been without, um, you know, human rated vehicles and human launches, um, there hasn't been that human element to it. Um, that's coming very soon. You know, the commercial crew program is starting up pretty quickly, um, and hopefully we might see people. F- launch from Kennedy Space Center in 2018. But I think until then, there's kind of been a gap there, you know. And I don't know if this has been intentional or not, but that I think is sort of the niche that I'm feeling is that that human element meeting the rocket. You know, there's there's something in between there that needs to be filled. Um, and I don't know if it's me being more obsessed with this stuff and I I, I see more things myself or if it is actual pop culture, but... Um, I feel like it's just getting more and more mainstream. And I think people are sad and people are, are longing for that again. They're longing for that exploration. This has been in America's blood for the past, you know, 50 years. And it's kind of like the, the rug got pulled out from underneath us. And, um, you know, I think we had a lull. I think we had our plateau. But I feel like it's really getting to the point now where public opinion is uh, people are longing, longing for space exploration. And um, I think my character has kind of helped been a vessel of that. Now, the everyday astronaut has been invited to some places uh, throughout the country for NASA. If I'm remembering correctly, you were in a vacuum chamber, an acoustic test room. Kind of tell me about some of those shoots that you did. And um, they were hilarious. <laughs> I love looking at them. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah. Um, so 2016 ended up being a, a pretty big, exciting year. Um, I kind of went into it hoping... This would be a big year where I could kind of make some dots get connected and, and hopefully see an, an obvious path in, in the, I guess, in my project. And that happened um, in about, I think it was, well, so first in March, I went to um, the OA-6 mission. Um, it was the orbital OA-6 resupply mission on top of an Atlas rocket with ULA um, down at Kennedy Space Center. And before that, I had reached out to ULA asking if it'd be okay to take some pictures. I'm actually still working on a children's book 
and I'm trying to produce content for that kind of constantly. I'm actually hoping to do a series someday. Um, but for now, I've just kind of been trying to keep a, a good stockpile of photography that I can hope um, tells a fun story. So I reached out to them asking, hey, you know, you know is it okay to come shoot? And luckily, the my contact there, she immediately replied and said, oh my gosh, I would love if you did a children's book. I think it'd be so great. You know, we'd love to have you out and here's here's what we can do. And so they actually let me go up and I could physically touch the rocket. Um, I got that close um, about five hours before it took off even. So it was incredible. Um, and that was kind of my first experience where I, I realized that, oh, people, the industry even is understanding what I'm doing and they're, they get the humor, they get the, the elements of it. And um, it was about a month later that uh, the Orion team, NASA's Orion team actually reached out and said, hey, we really like what you're doing. We want to make sure that you're provided with the best opportunities to be able to get into places. So they actually, uh, yeah, they basically said, you tell us when you're going to be somewhere. Um, if there's a NASA center nearby, please stop by. And I sent them a shot list of things I wanted to do. And one of the first ones, they mentioned a few things. They're like, we've got all these cool things here and here and here. And when they told me about the vacuum chamber, immediately I'm like, oh, I got a vacuum in the vacuum chamber. And they laughed and they just go, that's a great idea. And that's kind of how that relationship started. And that's still an ongoing thing where um, just the other month I was out in California and with about three days notice, I ended up realizing, oh, I didn't hit up JPL yet. And um, so they reached out and we got in and I got to do some shooting there and some video things. And yeah, so it's just kind of an ongoing relationship where I've been trying to figure out how I can best show off the cool things that they're doing because, you know, NASA is still very active in this, in this journey to Mars thing. And um, so it's kind of finding those elements that, that everyday people will care about. One thing I noticed with, with the series you did with, with the Orion team is the photographs really showed the scale of things. Like the, the, the one thing that's difficult for me is, as a radio producer is – kind of conveying how big something is or how wide something is or how tall something is. But you're tiny in that little vacuum chamber, and you're super <laughs> tiny when you when you look at that acoustic testing wall. What's it like to, to shoot in those locations and just understand the the scale and, and just how big these things are? Yeah, that's that's the thing that I think is so important to show off is is the scale of this stuff because it's – it's so hard to convey that. You might see pictures of, you know, of like the space shuttle in the vehicle assembly building. You go, wow, that's neat. But then you see a little tiny person at the bottom and you go, wait, how big is that thing? That's insane. And it boggles your mind because you have something to relate to, a size element to relate to. And so that's something that I've known is important. And, and for me as well, something that struck me is when I go and see these things in real life and I go, this is insane. You're your brain can't wrap around how big this stuff is. You know, when you're standing underneath a rocket, when you're standing inside the vehicle assembly building, when you're in this vacuum chamber, your brain has a hard time comprehending it. And so that's my challenge as a photographer is like, how do I show this off? And the hardest thing with that, speaking uh, on the, the photography end of it, is you tend to want to use a wide angle lens and that can distort things in such a way that actually can make them look small. And I know that sounds weird, but it's really hard to make a big thing seem big. And sometimes it's it's easier to make a small room look big using like a super wide angle lens. But taking a super wide angle lens into a huge room sometimes just does it injustice. And so um, putting the human element in there, having me in there as a scale and 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 trying to find that balance between where I'm in there to show you how big it is, but I'm not 
tiny enough that people gloss over it. You know, you got to make sure you're still big enough in the in the frame that, you know, on Instagram, people don't just gloss over it and go, eh, concrete room, meh, thing, thing. You know what I mean? You have to fill up enough of the, the frame and, and be present enough to be able to be noticed. And then that's, it gives you that sense of scale. What's been some of the feedback you've gotten? You mentioned the platform Instagram you're on, very photo-driven platform. Uh, what what do some people say about your photographs? Um, a lot of times, and a, a lot of you know, a lot of the first questions are, "Is this photoshopped?" and blah blah blah. And, and of course, some of the original images from my original series were very heavily photoshopped. Um, and then I went through a phase of no Photoshop. Um, and so that's a lot of the questions I get are, are in regards to that or, you know, is is this real or what's this? And um, I get a lot of, of questions. I get a lot of where did you get the spacesuit <laughs> over and over and over and over and over again. Um, I get a lot of questions about how did you get there, you know, and and how did people or am I an actual astronaut? Do I work for NASA? Um, I get a lot of those questions, which is great. I mean, if people are asking questions and if it gets them thinking at all beyond – you know, what they thought about earlier that morning. Um, I think that's a, a step in the right direction. But it's a lot of just general inquiries about things. Yeah. Do you have a favorite photograph, Tim? I know that might be a hard question. I, you know, it has morphed, I have to say. I I think it's, there's, it's in between about three, and it kind of depends on my mood. Um, but I think that one of me on the little toy space shuttle that's titled, um, it's just not the same, really reflected my mood at the beginning of this whole thing. I felt a huge lull in almost a, almost a betrayal in the sense that we weren't flying humans um, in the United States. And so that image really reflects that in the best way possible of me on this little toy playground space shuttle with my head down kind of ashamed. And, and I think that really still reflects some of the things that I, that I feel, but in general, I have a lot more positive outlook these days and I'm, the more and more I get involved, the more excited I get. Um, but I think that one that you had mentioned too, the one with – it's actually my nephew looking at a mirror, which by the way, that was not photoshopped as well. I actually had to build a wall and cut a hole out of it to make it look like a mirror and then put the same objects on each side of it to, to make it look again you know, convincingly like a mirror. Um, I think that's still one of my favorites. And then um, just recently, I think the new one that's probably my new favorite is uh, – after the Mars announcement, the that video of um, – oh, sorry, SpaceX's Mars announcement at IAC with their plans for the ITS, um, there is that video that they accompanied it, like a seven-minute video or six-minute video or something. And it was so gorgeous. I just the whole time had my jaw on the floor and watching that, I just knew I wanted to, I wanted to convey the sense that, like this is going to happen. And we are going to be sitting here watching this in the near future. Um, and so I have this image, and it was actually a picture that I took in Germany um, at an abandoned tire factory of me sitting in a giant circle. And so I photoshopped the ITS landing, the first stage booster landing back at Kennedy Space Center in the background. And to me, that's kind of my – I guess I have like my, my past feelings, present and future sort of in, in those three images, I think. Yeah, I think that's – that would summarize my favorites. <laughs> What's next for the everyday astronaut, Tim? Oh, man. Well, that's a big question. It's, it's ever-changing. Um, but the, the, the next big step is I'm actually transitioning in my career to being uh, – from going from a full-time photographer. 
I did a lot of uh, event photography and commercial work. And I'm transitioning into public speaking and going to schools and going to um, different companies and organizations and speaking about this stuff. Um, that's something that I'm transitioning, kind of turning on the switch in 2017 to be really pushing that and, and putting that out there. Um, the other thing is uh, I'm working on the children's book. And I'm also working on a lot of web, web content um, through my YouTube channel and things like that. That's kind of the behind-the-scenes stuff. And I'm going to be going to a lot more of the space centers, um, visiting them all, giving behind-the-scenes looks of all that stuff in a really fun and um, unique way. I think when I ask – I think I shock a lot of the people that I ask questions when I go to these places because I ask them really weird questions. Um, and so I'm, I'm starting to actually get a, bring a film crew along with me. And we're starting to cover some of that stuff in a, in a fun and entertaining way. So I think that's what 2017 holds. And I'm, I can't tell you beyond that because I honestly have no idea. <laughs> the children book, that, that's, that's super interesting, Tim. Um, where are you progressing on that and how's that going? Well, so that's kind of been a, a project for the past year. My, my dream is to actually use the photographs that I take and just with simple subtitles. So it can be kind of a coffee table book for people that don't have kids, but also like a a read to you children's book too, as well, that, that has a lot of hidden meanings and a lot of things that, that kids can hopefully grow up to learn more of the, the details behind the images. Um, and I've been working on that on, on a bunch of different ends for the past year. I'm still actively seeking a good solid publishing route. So if you know of any publishers or agents or, um, anyone that works in the, in the children's book industry or coffee table book industry, however you want to say it, um, please hit me up. I That's been a goal of mine for a long time, so I'd really like to get that checked off here in 2017. Well, I myself, Tim, am very excited to see what the next year uh, brings to us uh, through the Everyday Astronaut. So, Tim Dodd, uh, he is the Everyday Astronaut. Tim, thank you so much for speaking with us. Yeah, it's been my pleasure. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. Be sure to visit everydayastronaut.com to see all of Tim's photography. You can also check out his online store and get prints and t-shirts if you like. He's also on Instagram, too, at everydayastronaut, and on Twitter, erdayastronaut, E-R-D-A-Y, astronaut. And look up Everyday Astronaut on Facebook and YouTube as well. He's got some cool behind-the-scenes videos of those shoots that he does. Now, support for Are We There Yet comes from the listeners of WMFE. You can make a donation of financial support to wmfe.org support. That donation helps us explore space exploration. Follow the show online. We're on Twitter at AWTYMars or reach out to me in the Twitterverse. I'm at SpaceBrendan. Are We There Yet's production of WMFE. Our theme music was composed by Kevin McLeod. For now, I'm Brendan Byrne. Thanks for listening. <laughs> 